Hi, Irina. Hi, Bella. It feels like forever. Why I does know. it feel like that? Because life is busy and you're a mother. I am a mother. I'm also a mother, but for different creatures. That's right. I have a cat. I don't think she was raised with humans, so she doesn't really know how to meow. So a lot of times she'll just open her mouth and nothing comes out. But she meow. She Yeah, but now she does like little like squeaks. How long have you had her? For two years. Two years. I would prefer dogs much more than cats, but she's very chill, which I appreciate that in cats where they don't like come to you and feel entitled that you need to pat them and touch them and all of that. And then when they have enough, they just leave. So I appreciate um, your toots, toots, it's the name of her cat, that she just like, she say hi from far away. She respects my space, you know, she doesn't want me to pat her, to touch her. We just look at her like, hey, hey, yeah. And then then she just leaves. You just acknowledge each other's existence. We know what's up. And then she's like, okay, I've seen you here enough. I think you're okay. But then, but then she doesn't want me to touch her, which is, which again, like I said, I appreciate. But it's been, so we are right now on two weeks of releasing our, like we release in a podcast every two weeks, because again, the... It just got a little bit busier in both of our lives. Um, So I, as Isabella said, am a mother, which I'm sure everybody knows by now. But today is is the first day of school for my daughter. So she is in first grade. And then my son is going tomorrow. So always like the first few weeks of school, it's very, it's hard on the kids and on us because, you know, in the summer... You go to bed late, you wake up late, there's really no schedule. But now, like for example, today, so I I woke up today at 6 and then the kids were up by like 6.30. And so they're like, oh, we are tired. And there's like, Emilia was up earlier and then my son was just, he's like, I still want to sleep. So, and I don't know, I felt kind of sad a little bit. Like Emilia was fine, you know, I took her to school and she was like, bye. Uh, you know, because it's her third year at that school. She has her friends. So she's like, okay, bye, mom. Love you. And then leave me alone. Like, thank you. I'll see you later. It's not like that yet. And I hope it's never going to be like, oh my gosh, please leave. But uh, she was like, bye, mom. I see you later, you know, and then she has all her friends. And my son is going to ECE, which is like pre-K tomorrow. So, and it's his first day at big school because he was in daycare. So I don't know. I just, makes me sad makes me sad because my you know they are growing up and all of that but it's okay we don't need to go into that and so I'll start crying and then but it's um I'm glad to be back because we have this I feel like we're finally starting to have our setup not finally starting to have we building a little studio in your house which is which is nice to have something permanent yeah, it is. It's so nice. And we have lights right now and the camera going so we can post this on YouTube so you guys can go watch. Um, yeah, how how we record. Yeah, it's very like, I don't know, very ni- nice little setup. So again, it feels, it feels more professional. Um, and also we have the sound quality better because everybody was hating on us with our last episode. Well, I don't not- know. Well, not not everybody. 
just just the people that we really ask for feedback. And last time we had four people. And so that's why, and only two microphones. So that's why the sound was a little bit, uh, so if you caught that, I'm sorry. We sorry. So sorry. We apologize. <laughs> um, but you know, we it, with, with each episode, we're learning something new about the sound, about a posture, how to sit, how to talk, how close, how far do we have to be from the microphone. It's all learning experience. And it's fun. And I also wanted to throw out there for anybody that's listening. I feel like we've kind of found our niche. Like we love interviewing people. And if you know somebody that has an incredible story or you have an incredible story or you're just, you know, a lot about a certain topic, please reach out to us because we would love to interview you. Yes. And our email is moments that define us at gmail.com. You can always DM us on social media at moments at moments that define us. She's mom, mom brain, right? <laughs> mom brain. Also, English is not my first language, so I feel like I have a pass. But should we get into the episode? Yeah. Okay. So today we have a very special episode. I think. Because we have a very special guest, and it's none other than my amazing co-host and partner in this adventure, in creativity, my little sister, my friend, Isabella Magidson. What is your middle name? Remind me. John Dar. Isabella John Dar. Magidson. Also, on a side note, my dad was going to name me Lerjma. Lerjma? And so instead, my mom let him choose the middle name, which was John Dar, which is also cool. It's it's after uh, Joan of Arc, which I'm going to butcher this, but she was a famous person in France. And she like led an army at 16. Powerful woman. But yeah, my dad wanted to name me Larishma. Could you imagine if I was going around like, hi, I'm Larishma, but you can call me Larry for sure. <laughs> what? I didn't know that about you. No, and it's really funny because when I'm at the bars and oh, sometimes like men will come up to me like, what's your name? I'll say Larishma. And they just turn around and walk away. And I go, <laughs> thank God. Larishma, that's, I've never heard that name. No, me either. And there was this one time I said, somebody asked me what my name was. I said, hi, I'm Larishma. And he said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You look like you're Jewish. I go, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so is that is that very Jewish name? I don't know. I think it's a made up name. <laughs> we need to have your dad on a podcast so he can tell us why he wanted to name you Lair- Larishma. Bella, I wanted to give you the space of being in a chair of the interviewee yeah is that interviewee yeah i think so i'm interviewer your interviewee yeah because for our first episode it was isabella's idea to interview me and so i thought that that was really cool that i told my story a little bit more in depth and then we had my my husband who 
was and maybe still is our editor and engineer, but I think he's <laughs> he just gave us two weeks notice <laughs> that he's done. <laughs> Bella, welcome to Moments That Define Us podcast. Are you ready to be interviewed by your favorite person? I'm not ready, but I'll do it. Do you remember when we released that video that Roy did of us, uh, just like the intro? Yes. In, in, yes. In, in the studio. Okay. So you, in that video, you were saying how you grew up in the middle of nowhere, right? Yes. And so somebody made uh, an interesting comment to me Um a friend of mine, and she said, you know, it's interesting how Bella said she grew up in the middle of nowhere, because usually when we think about middle of nowhere, right, it's like the small town in some... Like Nebraska town or something. Uh, sure. But, you know, like that nobody knows that maybe like the gro the closest grocery store is an hour away and you only had like a gas station and post office something, I don't know, small town. You grew up in Aspen. Well, not exactly in Aspen, but you grew up in that Roaring Fork Valley, right? So that's not really in the middle of nowhere, right? That's like one of the richest uh, ski resorts in United States. So I just wonder, how was it for you growing up in that valley and in that environment? It was interesting. I feel like a lot of people, when I say I'm from the Roaring when I say I'm from, so I'm originally from Carbondale, even Carbondale is like not really where I live. I live in Missouri Heights, which I don't think anybody knows. They think I'm from Missouri when I say that. So <laughs> Exactly. Right. Beca because when you look, yeah, when you look in Carbondale, like Carbondale, you still have to, you still have to drive like what about 20 minutes, but that whole area is, con it's considered Carbondale, but it's, it, yeah, it's Missouri Heights. But, um, so most of the time when people ask from where I'm from, I just say Aspen and they go, oh, you must be so fancy and like bougie. And like they always ask about X Games and all that. Um, but it's really interesting because there was four schools and Aspen was like this hoochie mama area. And we a lot of people would live down Valley, which is where I lived, and then go work up in Aspen. And so um, it was kind of separate. But it was it was really cool to be able to grow up near there. Okay, so I just gave the like fluffed version, but actually it was really interesting because I actually hate Aspen. So we're just this podcast is about being real and honest. So I I don't like it. Um, I'm so grateful that I got to grow up in that area, but Aspen in particular, I don't like the people there are mean, they're rude, they're entitled. Um, up in Aspen, you make a lot more money, so I would go up there and like cater events and things of that nature. And um, I've just worked with the worst people. Um, cater an event for a specific family, and they are like billionaires. And so we were doing an event there, and I remember the people. I'm not going to say their names, but we couldn't refer to them by their f their first names or last names. We just had to call them Mister and Mrs. Just, just misses like without even yeah. like, like, like they're so high and mighty that they are the one and only misses. Mm. And it just like something inside of me just was like triggered. Um, but actually at this event, I got to meet Barbara Streisand and I'm sorry, like if I'm exposing it, but that was the coolest thing ever. And I got to serve her a piece of cake and she is just iconic. I have a big nose. She has a big nose and I gave her a small piece of cake and she was like, it's okay, honey, you can give me a little bit more. And it was just like... <laughs> Oh, it was amazing. Um, that's really cool. So yeah. she was, she was just 
and I'm saying normal, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, a lot of the times those famous people can be, I don't know, you see them on TV, they're one way and then you meet them in person, they're another. So like, how would you say she was? She was just like a beam of light, just smiling. There's a lot of people in Aspen that aren't awful. And just like there's, yeah. you know, like there's a lot of like wealthy people that are really nice, but I don't know, something about Aspen, I feel like attracts a lot of these people that like to show off their wealth. Um, that event that I was talking about, I remember afterwards we were cleaning up and they're like, oh, do you want leftovers? And I was like, well, aren't they going to eat the leftovers? And she was like, oh, honey, they don't eat leftovers. And something about that just was like really shocking to me because I was like, to be so wealthy that you don't eat leftovers was just like, I don't know, a shock. Interesting to hear your side of like Aspen, right? Because like you said, you didn't, you are not from Aspen, but majority of people know Aspen, but they don't know Carbondale necessarily, right? Maybe mm -hmm. people from Colorado do, but other areas, because, you know, Carbondale is just a small town, right? But yeah, Aspen is very interesting. I, I also like cater a lot of uh, when I when I used to live there. And yeah, you meet not not everybody, like you said, not everybody is like that, like that entitled and, and, and horrible and stuff. But you meet some like pretty amazing people who used to work at this um, hotel, Little Nell. And yeah, I met some like really amazing people there paying a lot of money. To, to stay at the hotel, but just were the most coolest, the most like down to earth people. Yeah. But that's usually people that come, you know, just kind of come and stay for vacation. They, I don't think that they had homes because they would stay at the hotel. So I'm just assuming, but they were really, really cool people. Aspen is interesting, right? Yeah, it really is. And I think some of, you know, it's created defining moments in my life, but Aspen is interesting, but like my valley in general is just, it was very isolating, which is incredible. You know, I'm not exposed to a lot of things and I didn't have to, I had the privilege of being ignorant to a lot of issues going on until later in life, which was really nice, but I don't, it wasn't real. Mm -hmm. um, so my graduating, my school, I went to Basalt High School. It was I think my graduating class was like 78 people and we had probably an average of 400 people in our whole school. So it was really small. So everybody knows all your business, which is like good and bad, but it was also nice. Like you knew everyone, you were walking down the streets, you say hi and all of that. Um, so you never felt, um, I feel like sometimes now that I live in the city, you can kind of feel even more alone mm -hmm. because, you know, you don't see people like I used to that I know. So it's it's interesting like living living in in the small town because you know I as, mm -hmm. as you know and um as I shared before I also used to live there. So it is nice to be walking down the street and and know people. So that part like being a part of community, but also I don't know, it's also I don't want everybody knowing my business. It's nice but also it's there's no diversity. Um Everybody that. that I went to school with looked like me. There was a lot of um, actually Latino people there, which mm -hmm. was really cool. Um, and this is me calling myself out. But when I went to the school, the, all the Latino people would, the guys would actually like sit on a bench 
and it was very like isolated like we didn't mingle Mm -hmm. um which why do you think that is privilege you know they they lived that we had like trailer parks there and they lived in different parts and it was like we looked down on them but then there was also instances where not the females but the males would sit on these benches and they were like along the hallway when you would walk to class and they would like holler and whistle at you which was really uncomfortable but um yeah it was and it was hard there was a lot of language barrier as well because a lot of people didn't speak english so there were separate classes for them Mm -hmm. um but i don't really remember hanging out with a lot of people there was one black person in our school um out of 400 people out of 400 people so maybe two you know just depending on like the year and like who's coming in and leaving so you mentioned a lot of uh things about high school and i'm just asking you this because from all the movies that i watch right like about <clears throat> like your typical american movies and you know how in schools there are like popular girls mean girls like all of these groups and cliques so mm-hmm. i I'm wondering, was there something like that at your school? And were you part of any of those groups slash cliques? Okay, this is so funny because I feel like... Oh my God, my Valley accent's coming back. Oh my God, totally. Our middle school was more like the high school movies than our actual high school. And I feel like in middle school, you know, kids are mean and there was like popular groups and people dating and all that. But it was like kind of mellowed out and then in high school it was more because it was so small it was like you knew everyone but there was still like the popular kids but the popular kids were kind of like the people that were like involved with school and like everybody knew it's hard to describe like what was a popular kid in our school yeah when you say just kind of know when you said involved with school like what do you mean like they were part of sports or band sports but also, like, they didn't have to be involved in sports. It was just, like, you're involved, like, you know the teachers, you talk to them, like, maybe got good grades. But actually, you know what it was? It was the people that made fun of other people. Those were the popular people. So I was going to say, like, were there, like, a lot of bullies at your school? It wasn't so much bully. It was, like, you thought you were better than other people. Like, in what way? And I think it was the better looking people. How do you? Yeah, how, how I think you- it was, like people that are more stereotypical better looking how do you define that better looking uh you know for males like muscles um you know nice hair attractive like dating women that type of thing and then for women like clearly like skinny um nice hair makeup clothes so would those was huge yeah um is that more high school or middle school this was high school. High school. I think the biggest thing was just like if you were like the good looking people hung out with the good looking people and they would do like fun stuff that you wanted to like. I say you wanted to be involved with with quotations because there was a time like I was probably a part of that clique. But um, you think people want to be a part of it, but like, I don't know. They were probably like, I'm fine by myself. I don't like do whatever you're doing. I don't. Like, I don't want to be involved in that shit, you know? Right, right. Like, when you are in that, you think that everybody wanted to be in that. And also, this is kind of backwards at our school. So the cheerleaders were looked down upon at our school. And Really? Yeah, and I'm going to be, like, fully transparent. Like, you know, part of learning and growing, like, I understand that I was a piece of shit. And I'm probably still a piece of shit, but, like, 
I'm doing better and I'm trying to learn so that I can be better. But a lot of the girls that were on the cheerleading team were Latino. Mm-hmm. But um, they would do the cheers at football games and nobody would cheer with them. Hmm. You know? Um, and it wasn't like, you know, this big cheerleading squad. And I think it was because, you know, in high school you're vain and, you know, our vision of beauty is blonde, blonde eyes and blue hair. And so they didn't look like that. So, um, interesting. So, yeah. And it wasn't like they were bad. It wasn't like they were great. I think they were just doing their best. It's high school. Um, there was also certain teachers that our school is such a, like there, I look back on it and it was like, we had this PE teacher. Mm-hmm happy to call his ass out but he was so so fucking creepy um but he would like flirt but not like outwardly with like you know the popular good-looking girls and he would have girls in his office and it wasn't like he was a bad-looking dude you know he was like younger like really good-looking so he would have girls in his so yeah they would just hang out there and eat lunch with him you know and so that was kind of like also, maybe that's kind of what created, like, the cooler kids is, like, you knew him and, like, hung out with him. And he was always involved with, like, you know, s- school leadership programs and, like, setting up events and those type of things. Um, And then we also had a choir teacher. And she was kind of the same thing. Like, always involved in, like, the high school bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then we got another high school teacher. um, And she... <laughs> She actually ended up, like, sleeping with one of the kids. I wasn't there. I think that was, like, my brother's. When he, when yeah. he was in school. Uh-huh. Um, but then, and then one of my volleyball coaches. Oh, my gosh. Is that teacher still in school? Mm-mm. I think she went to jail. I don't know. I don't know what happened with her. Um, But. But she got caught. She got caught. And I, like. This is crazy. Yeah. I remember, like, one of, so one of our friends, he, like. He was involved in a lot of, like, the musical stuff. And he was like, I'm going to go see her tonight. Like, she asked me to come over and, like, do a private session. So she would have, like, kids, like, go over to her house, like, when I was in high school. So, like, I'm like, that shit probably happened back then. Yeah. And I think he said, like, maybe they kissed or something. But I don't know. So I'm, like, scared where they're going to, like, try to use this for public evidence or whatever. But, um, and then my volleyball coach in middle school she got caught having sex in the parking lot of the high school with, like, a high school student. What the fuck was happening in that? I don't know. In, That's what I'm saying. I think school. there's, like, something, like, weird in the valley. Um, oh, my gosh. But, like. Oh, and then my, the PE teacher, I remember there's this one girl. And he would give his, he was married with children, right? And he would give his wedding rings to girls to wear. I remember this um, one girl, she would, like, walk around wearing his wedding ring. And, like, when you're in high school, I do not blame the girls because you don't know any better. It's, like, this attractive man, like, talking to you. And he talks to all the other girls. Of course you want his attention. Um, And then um, I remember one of the girls said that she was talking with him. And he was like, I love my wife and everything, but sometimes I get bored. You know what? I blame both because fuck, like you you're, you're in high school. You're a child though. Like you don't, you know, you have a teacher that's an authority. Like I know, but you also have 
a chance if to go if you think that something is wrong then why don't go and tell the principal then this is happening because why would you out him because he's like cool you know like he's telling you something that there was this one time I remember I wore a dress to school and he looked at me and he was like you look so adult today and I was like what does that mean he was like it's a compliment but it see do you see it was like flirty but not enough to be like creepy he's like it makes me it's so disgusting I know I think and you know there's a lot of people that like absolutely loved him would like defend him and I just I was always like I hate I don't like him I don't like him also like to to tell you students I mean this turning into something I feel like we have to have another episode about like this shit in school but like to tell you students this this young girls that you love your wife but sometimes you bored to give your wedding ring I mean this is to have students in your in your office to have girls in your office you know this there's so much wrong here but um I mean, there was like, oh my gosh, there was some amazing teachers there. Like I think about it, but I mean, our, our science teacher, um, Mr. Duff, if he's listening to this and Mr. Howard, he was our English teacher and he was, I think a lawyer, mm. some or an account, some big, big concho. And he just like, he was making a lot of money, but, but just wanted to become a teacher because he loved it. And like, I learned so much from him and he was one of the teachers that would teach us books you know we would read the color purple we were exposed to books that we weren't typically allowed to be exposed to because they were about you know black culture and those type of things and learning about the other side of history that textbooks don't oh God, typically oh tell it, you it seems like it seemed like you went to school in florida back back in the day yeah and so it was cool <laughs> because you know i was exposed to these things that were like controversial and like not controversial but the reality of how united states was built and so that was kind of like that was in my like upperclassmen classes and that was cool because that kind of like started that passion you did mention some amazing teachers that you had in school that you really loved so how do you think those teacher help shape your view of the world or shape who you are today because and before you answer i just want to give a huge shout out to all of the teachers when we release this episode the school will be already in session like a week or two right but teachers are amazing teachers are so important you know i i am sure that each and every one of you out there who's listening has one or a few favorite teachers that until this day you remember that something that the teacher said that the teacher do the teacher help you see so thank you to all of the teachers that that teach all of our kids and help them be better human beings like so so much there's a lot of teachers in my family so I love teachers but so much love for all the teachers and all of the educators out there okay Bill. um Well, like I said, my English teacher, he would go out of his way to make us read books that were from the point of view of like black people or talking about things that we wouldn't understand. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was talking about how black women pretty much flew NASA to the moon because they did all the math and they did all that. And it was such an eye opening thing because I feel like in middle school and even the classes before you learn about history from, you know, 
a white person's point of view. And um, so he actually taught you the real history of the United States. Yeah, and My it was goodness. And, and that's and that's considered now controversial, right? Yeah. Because and how dare you teach the real history? Right. And that was an English class. So, of course, he incorporated things and we would write stories. And it was just I remember it was really cool. And he talked about how literature was really important because, um, you know, the winning white people colonizers had the privilege of writing things down in a lot of, you know, people of color, they didn't have a chance to share their side of the stories because they didn't know how to write. And so stories is the only way that those, you know, their stories and histories passed along. So you talked about how important it is to read books and stories from their point of view and how that's not considered as accurate as textbooks, but it is, but it's just, they didn't have the privilege and the skills to be able to write, um, like the, you know, white people. So that was really cool. And that was definitely eye-opening. And I loved going to those classes and we would have like open discussions and he would ask questions and people would answer. And then we would read like certain part of the book. It was just, it was like a great literature class. Um, And then I had a science teacher and I remember he was just awesome. And he would teach science based on current events and things that were going on. And that was like another amazing teacher. And I think a lot of them were amazing they were doing their best then I think I don't think there's one that I hated except for like the PE teacher I think teaching is a hard it's a hard job right and I feel like you really have to love to teach to be a teacher because it's not like that the most high pay job I look at my husband he's you know on Sundays he's planning and brings stuff home and it finishes but I can see how much he loves it so and there's just so many amazing teachers. Um, I'm glad to hear that you had good teachers that, that helped shape who you are today. Thank you for sharing those defining moments. You chose CSU for Collins. So my I have like a two-part question. So first question is, why did you choose to go to CSU for Collins? So let's start with that. I chose Fort Collins because... It was close to home. And but not too close. But not too close. And I didn't like CU Boulder because when I did my tour, the guy that gave us a tour, he was um, hungover. And the whole time he was like, I'm so hungover. I don't think I can do this. Like, And we had to get the court tour like, shut early because he was so hungover. And I was like, I'm terrified. I'm going to like, this is too much of a party school for me. Um, but then I did, you know, go to CU and party sometimes. But It just seemed like people at CSU were um, a bit more laid back. It just seemed like CU was like that Aspen vibe again. Yeah. And I've had friends that went there and they loved it and they're great people. But, you know, overall, it just didn't really fit my vibe. Um, It's kind of like CSU is like honky-donky like vibe. And I love that. um, Interesting how you said that CU Boulder had that Aspen vibe. So, and again, for some people that still want that Aspen vibe, right? I feel like that's why they chose it because it's like, it's familiar. It's a different space, but it's the same, the same type of energy, the same type of vibe. I want to be here. I want to be here because it looks better kind of thing. You know, like Aspen, like you go to Aspen because you look better. You know, like it's like, like Aspen is like the all in whitey. Like look better, look better than what? You know, then like Glenwood Springs or Carbondale or Basalt, you know, you live in Aspen. Like that's... I can argue that, but... 
Exactly. I want to hear some of your defining moments from college. So what did you learn in college? And I'm not talking about your degree because obviously you went there for four years, you have your degree. But what were some of the defining moments that you took away from college? When I went to Fort Collins, it's definitely more diverse than where I grew up. And I was like, wow, this place is so diverse. And it's funny because now I look at it, I'm like, CSU is not, Fort Collins is not diverse at all. And you know that. And even Denver is like, no, not that. But coming. In comparison, mm -hmm. in comparison to where you grew up, and I can relate to that 100% yeah. because that's why I moved to Denver. Remember coming here and it's like, yeah, so diverse. There's so many different people. Yeah, you're just not used to it. So, so to me, it was like, it was awesome. And I like... I loved it, and it was cool to meet so many different people from so many different backgrounds. Um, so my best friend from college, Christy, she was from South Korea, and she was in my fashion classes, and it was so fun to talk to her, and she would tell me all about, like, you know, it was interesting because, like, there's American skincare, <clears throat> but Korea has, like, the best skincare ever, so she would tell me all, like, the best products to buy for my skin because she just had flawless skin. Um, oh, my... Freshman year, I was exposed to this um, thing that CSU had. I think this was one of the biggest things why I actually went to CSU. They have this thing. It's called alternative spring break. So you spend your spring break going to a different community and learning about that community. It's a community that's more often than not like in poverty. So they have them, a lot of, most of them are in the U.S., but then there was one big one that actually went to Kenya. And that one was, instead of being during spring break, it was during winter break because that was longer. So I went to Africa the first time in high school, my freshman year, and that was because of my principal. And I went to um, the Gambia, and that was an incredible experience. I absolutely loved it. My principal, he actually knew... He, one of his friends was in, um, I think it was Sweden, and they took a group of college students, and so he wanted to take a group of high school students from the U.S. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. So we started, like, you know, a school club, and we made it work, and there was four of us. Or no, 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 no. There was four girls and two guys and three teachers, I think. Um, there was two tish. There was three tishes on the trip, which was funny. Um, but anyways, yeah, we three went to what? Three people named Tish. Oh. So, yeah. Because <laughs> there was two teachers. One was Tish, Tisha, and then my best friend in high school, Patricia. So she was Trisha. Hey, Tish. <laughs> Which one? Yeah, that's exactly how it went. So just going there the first time and being exposed to a different country at such a young age was, I think, really important. And it was huge that I was able to have the privilege to do something like that. That was incredible. And when... We went on this trip. It was still kind of, you know, in a tourist area. We lived, we stayed in a hotel. Um, and then we would travel and go to, you know, see different schools and stuff. But it was still more on the, like, I don't know, like, touristy side. So, mm -hmm. but I th I think that was what I needed, you know, so it's not, like, too much of a shock. Which, it's, like, unfortunate that I'm even saying that. But, um, so that was cool. I remember, um, so... When I first went there, like, they don't have toilets, really. And that was, like, the biggest, like, shock to me. It was, like... Wait, but at the hotel? 
even so running water in the u.s is so different so we have you know wastewater facilities and all that and so that's something that we take advantage of and in these places they don't have waste treatments same with trash they don't have somebody come pick up your trash mm. they burn it all so it just reeks and the air is just horrendous so they just burn all their trash because they don't have you know facilities that take care of that um uh, and i remember taking a shower and like you know, there's pressure and that's all like engineering and money and all of that. And out there you have like, I remember we would shower and sometimes it would just be like dripping out mm. and you just, you can't control it. And that was at a hotel. Um, and then I remember, oh my God, okay, this is a funny story, but bless this principal soul. Um, it was a principal of the school that we went to, to, you know, learn about. We worked with all the students and we made these like really cool cultural blankets where you like melt the wax and you can write your names into it or something. So, um, you know, the food out there is different. And so <laughs> my stomach was not settling well. And I was like, oh my God, it's really hot and I'm going to have diarrhea. And there's like no <laughs> toilets. And there was one toilet in the facility and it was in the principal's office. And there was a big window next to it. And when I say window, it's not like a glass one. It was like, there was a piece of like, it was like open and there was a piece of like white sheer fabric across from it and I was like I have to go so bad and I was like so embarrassed so I brought my best friend and I was sitting on there like and you can't throw any of the toilet paper in the plumbing system because they don't have good sewer system and I was sitting there fighting for my life on the toilet <laughs> and then school is like switching classes and there's a lot of kids out there that I've never seen a, like a white person before. So I'm sitting on the toilet. There's a sheer thing in front of it. And some of the kids are like looking and pointing at me. And it was, <laughs> it's the most shameful thing I've ever experienced. And my best friend's like sitting there like crying, laughing, like having a great time. But so that was your defining moment. That, that was one of my defining moments that, you know, we're all human. We all have to poop. Also, it was really interesting because around here, we see white people out there. We were like the... The minority? So they would they thought we were ghosts. So there's a lot of kids. They would like run away crying to their mom because they thought we were ghosts. Yeah, white people are pretty scary. They really are. But it's... This one I learned in my college one is that, you know, we go out there and these people in these foreign countries, like a lot of people white people go out there as white saviors and it's actually detrimental and like i was thinking like oh i gotta bring lots of like you know when we were planning for this one we didn't know any better and we were like let's bring lots of pencils and books and all that and like give it to them but that feeds this white savior complex where we're just giving them stuff and it's like showing like oh we're we're all almighty and have all this money and we'll just give you some supplies you know mm. every once in a while and make them beg for us but then Oh, in the U.S., you know, we're the minority out there and everybody's waving and like we're like, you know, white people are celebrated in the U.S. where we're not the minority and black people are. They're terrified for their lives. So it's kind of, you know, interesting. It is interesting, right? And it is interesting to not it is interesting. It is important to travel. It is important to see other cultures and other people and talk to other people and learn about other people's cultures and customs and tradition. So that one, that was your trip in high school. But then I know that you also went to another African country when you were in 
in CSU. Yeah, so that was the alternative break. So I applied for that one, for the one to Kenya, because because of that trip to Gambia. I was like, um, I just love, like, the culture. Everybody was so nice. It was completely different than the U.S. where everybody's, like, fighting for their life. Everybody out there was just, hey, how's it going? Just much more happier. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to take another one. So I, I applied and I got in. And then this trip was not you know bougie at all we were camping for two and a half weeks we like pretty much like lived um in these communities we had we were lucky enough to have um a water tower so out in kenya they have these trucks that deliver these like giant um like bowls of water and they put them up on stilts you've probably seen them in like midwest kind of things like Mm. so then that creates the water pressure so when the water flows down then you can, you know, get it out. So we had like outdoor showers, but I ended up showering like maybe three or four times out there. So it wasn't, you know. You just you were just being one with nature. We were just being one with nature. We were living like the locals. It was it was immersed. You were and the whole point was like he was like, We're not bringing supplies out, like we're not white saviors. And that was like kind of a shock to me because the last trip I did was like, let's bring supplies out and give them out of scholarships and all of this. But it's feeding that white savior complex. What was the, why did you go there? Like, what was the, not the point, but like, what was the goal? The be- goal, the goal. So in, it wasn't to, what was the mission? The mission, you're not going to, that was one of the things that like, you're not going to help a community by being there for two weeks. And that was really hard. That was a hard pill for me to swallow. The best thing we can do is learn and listen to them and share their stories so that other people are aware. So um, every group that went there, the guy that was in control of the trip, he was really cool. So there's a women, a women's group out there. So they support themselves by supplying, um, by selling, you know, beaded items. I'm sure you've seen these touristy things. But then each group that he bought up, brought out there each year would take a batch of these beads back to the U.S. so that they were not only able to sell them to the tourist tourist out in Kenya, but sell them online through Etsy and all of that back in the U.S. So this women's only group, just for some background. So this was also shuckered. Um, in Kenya in particular, women are considered property. So the more wives a man has, the more property he has, the richer he has kind of status kind of thing. So a lot of these women are, you know, sold off at a young age to older men. And then, you know, the man will pay the family. So these, this women's um, community, it was a almost like a rescue place for these women that have been in these like horrible toxic relationships And when the man owned the women, of course, you know, there's a lot of, you know, bad things that happen, abuse and whatnot. So this women's only community was only for women and their children to have a safe place to grow up. So um, the men were allowed in there and they were allowed to help. And there was like, you know, there was a lot of good men in these communities. Um, But another wonderful thing that they were doing, they live in these huts and women were the only ones allowed to build the roof of the hut that they lived in because that was their way of saying um, I'm able to provide the roof over my head. So men were not allowed to build the roof in that community. So um, it was really cool because this was a different point of view. Instead of just like giving them stuff, 
he came in, figured out what they needed, and then he would help them sell their beads. And then in turn, with all the money that they made from those beads, they actually made a hut in that community where they had tours that were able to pay a little bit of money and then able to stay. So then they were making profit from that as well. I'm like listening to you talk about how women consider property in, in Kenya, right? And we in U.S. like to say how there is so much freedom, so much independence, so much this, that, and the other. But there are so many men, as we see now in this modern time, what's happening that the men here would like to make women their property. What's happening, just let's start with, with birth control and, and, all the, and all the rights that are being taken away from us. Right. Exactly. In a way, in a way, men saying, I am the one who's going to control you, who's going to tell you what to do and what not to do. A lot of the times, progressive countries like to look at countries that are black and brown and saying, oh, you know, those countries, we need to go there. We need to help them. But like, yes. what is happening in the U.S.? In the U.S. Yeah. And I want to like talk about that is like when I went there. Oh my God, there's so much I can talk about, but it was the biggest shocker because it was like, we need to, you know, they need to live in homes and they need to have, yes, I think everybody deserves fresh water and running water and healthy food and all of that, but they were very happy out there. And I think before pushing what we think they need on that community, we need to go out there and see what they actually want because, you know, maybe they're happy living off the land. You know, I really, I really like what you said because a lot of the times, and I know you talk a lot about, you know, that, that complex of white savior. A lot of the times we as white people, we like to act as we know what other people, uh, you, that's usually black and brown people. We know what you need, right? We're going to go to your community and we're going to tell you, you need this, you need that and the other. Instead of, instead of saying, Okay, like I what do you a, actually need? What do you want? We come in as as this privileged people and we say we know what you need instead of coming and saying, "Hey, I have I the money, the resources, whatever to help. What do you need?" Because that's a lot of a lot of the times you hear that and it's and he's like, "Oh, let me make myself feel good. Look, I went there." I exactly. Give them that. Look how happy they are. Oh my gosh, it was I remember when we were doing training going up to this trip and it was a lot of it was a really hard pill to swallow, but it was really necessary. You're not going to make a difference in two weeks. Right. You're not. And do they even need help? They're like, that's why the whole point of this trip was it was a learning experience. We were not there to help. We were there to just learn their culture. Mm -hmm. And that was like and help in ways like little ways that we could because um our leader, he did a lot of like amazing things and he started a scholarship so that um, like certain kids could be able to go to, you know, high school and out there, which is like kind of like the equivalent of college out here. Like you go away from your parents and you like live in like a dorm type of thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, in that, in that community too. And it was really cool because when we went to the community and we were collecting the beads, he places orders. So he's like, we need, you know, five giraffe beads or, you know, 29 beaded snakes or whatever. And it was our job. He was like, they're a business. They need to act like businesswomen. And so we would, you know, 
do um, quality control and we would look at all the products they made. And if there was a different color bead in there and all that, we would have to give it back and say, fix this. Mm-hmm. And like the whole white savior thing is like, oh, honey, you're doing great. Like you're doing so good. It was like, he's like, no, we're treating them like humans, like business people, business women. So um, yeah, it was really cool. Cause that was like something that like he was amazing at. So that was like the experience I had, I mean, I had a white savior experience in high school and then I had a different one in college, which was really awesome. So in, I was getting my degree in fashion and a lot of people don't realize what happens to their wasted clothes, right? So you, a lot of people donate their clothes and they feel so good about it, right? I didn't throw my clothes away. I feel great about it. Um, thrift stores, can only handle so much clothes and there is so much clothing waste in the u.s so what do we do with those leftover clothes we give them to foreign countries and so i remember when we were we were driving to we we were staying in a small community it was called Sambruru. you can look it up on the maps but um we took a bus there it was like not really a bus it was you know car bus thing and you driving past and there is like communities and just like piles and piles of clothes and used clothes. And it was like, I've never seen so many clothes in my life. And, you know, they give them to these countries that are developing and oh, here you can do it and you can sell it. But it's 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 too much. It's too much. It turns into waste and then there's clothes all over the streets and, you know, it becomes waste and then they have to burn it and then they're destroying their air and people are breathing it in and hurting their health. And, you know, a lot of our clothes are made from polyester. And so, you know, that plastic's going in the air and then they're breathing it. And it's just like, I was just, there was so much clothes. So that was really eye-opening, especially in the field that I was studying in. So, yeah, just, you know out of out of mind out of sight when you throw your stuff away just you remember it goes somewhere you know what my grandma actually used to do my grandma emilia would like cut the clothes right and then she would make these covers for um for chairs and i believe that she would make like bigger one into blankets and you know like i i also feel like maybe more like older generation to where they like you know would reuse more i feel like we waste so much now yeah, we are just, we are so wasteful. But I wanted to wrap up the, your, the traveling portion of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think it is important to travel? To get out of your bubble, in all honesty, because I grew up in such a small bubble. I think there's so much more to this world to really understand things. Also, what you see on the news is not true. Like I said, these people in these communities, like, they need our help. They're starving. We need to send money over there. I went out there and they seemed very happy. I think it's important to travel because what you see on the news isn't real. And like, you're just exposed to the reality. And I just, I think it's important to see the other side of things. I also understand that it was a privilege for me to go though. And it is not an opportunity for a lot of people. Um, But I think the best way you can actually know what's going on is to hear firsthand stories. I think stories are just like the key of humanity and that's why and that's what we're actually doing here with this podcast sharing there's going to be so many more stories that are going to be shared here because because it's true you have to form your own opinion by talking to people 
by talking to people who are going through those experiences. Don't think because you think that somebody need help that they do need help. Before you help anybody, ask, do you need help? Don't assume anything about anybody until you know their story. Bella, you told us a lot of things, but I was wondering if I can ask you a few more questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. You told us uh, stories about traveling abroad, and I want to stay in that same topic of traveling, but I want you to talk about your traveling locally, meaning in the United States of America. As you told us that you're originally from Colorado, but you moved out of Colorado, and then you recently moved back. What was the exciting place that you lived before you moved back to Colorado? Nebraska. You went there because you're a good girlfriend and you followed Spencer, your amazing boyfriend, because he went to school there, right? That's awesome that you did that. That you guys didn't do like long distance relations and you were able to go together. I think that's great. Well, actually, uh, we did do long distance for a little bit and then... I was living at home and I was back in the valley and it just didn't feel great. And it was during COVID and I was... That's right. Yeah. It was during COVID because I was like, wait a minute, you were here, but... Yeah. And so I just got a job working for AmeriCorps, um, building them a course online. So my parents were like, go start your life. And so I moved to Nebraska and it was affordable. So that was really cool. And I got to see somewhere else, which was also cool. So you you moved there for, what, like about two years, right? Yeah. When you're comparing Nebraska and Colorado, I'm just curious, what did you like more about Nebraska versus Colorado? What did I like more about Nebraska is humid, which is something I feel like a lot of people don't know because it's in the middle of the country, but I think it's because it's lower elevation. It's humid, which is awesome. Wow. I love the humidity. I, You know, it's funny. I do too. I do too. But a lot of people like, oh, a lot of people. Yeah. they like, it's too sticky all the time. Um, so the humidity was awesome. And um, so, cause at night, you know, in Colorado, it gets really cold. The temperature drops drastically at night. It was like the same temperature, which was so cool. So you could go out. I loved the people out there. They were so nice. And we lived in Omaha, which was like the city out there, but it was it was like, it wasn't really a city. It was like a small, big town. So, you know, there was brick walkway and like all these local restaurants. And in Nebraska, everything is so much more affordable. You know, oh, I like can imagine. you can go out to eat and not like, you know, not be able to pay rent. It was so cool because we would go out to eat and enjoy all these like fancy restaurants. And, you know, it was like $50 later for two people with like course, meal, drinks, appetizers, all of that. Um, so that was really cool. Um, in Colorado, there's definitely a lot more outdoor activities to do and, you know, our people are here. So I feel like that's fun. Denver is definitely a much bigger city. Um, that was different when I first went out there. Cause I, you know, when you think of the United States for me, I like thought of like California, New York and Colorado. Cause I live in Colorado and I was like, so, so you thought there were, there were three states, right? Three states. And then everything in the middle was Kansas, like in my head. <laughs> It was all Kansas. So it was really this cool. Is, this, this is this is American. This, this, is, this, this is, is your American, born and raised. Exactly. So she I did. The United States had three states. 
So in my head, it was like, it's, I don't know. I and when I moved out, I was like, people actually live out here. It was like shocker to me and they like it, but it was over time. I, I loved it and now I miss it, but it was, it was really cool. It's nice to go and experience even in your own country, right? Oh my God. So in, you know, big cities like Denver, everything's small and expensive. In Nebraska, everything is huge and affordable. So like there was this you know, candy store that we loved going to and it was just huge. Like everything is just like, there's so much like real estate. So it was like a candy store. And then you go into another room and it becomes like a museum and they had like a theater in there. And then they had like a pinball machine arcade in there. And they had like a whole thrift store in the back. And then there was this giant thrift store that we would go to and they had like people getting married in the back. There was like an, an like a wow church kind of thing in the back. It was That was really cool, like everything. And then our apartment even was like 2,000 square feet and like $1,000 a month. Like it was just, you know, when we lived downtown and it was just like in lofted areas, it was just, you know, and everything wasn't so like close and clustered. All the restaurants were like fairly big. And so there was always tables available and it was just, you never felt like you were on top. You know, there's a lot of places in Denver where it's like you walk in and you're like, how do people even yeah fit in here? Actually, it's, 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 I really, I like want to say so much, but like to the restaurants. Yes. I remember a few weeks ago we were out with my husband and two of other friends and we were going to go eat to this place. And, and I was like, so inside it felt like you were like, literally like You couldn't on have conversation on top. And then outside, it was also like so small that I, it like the feeling that I had is like, we're eating outside. Not, not like, because we were outside, but you know what I mean? Like literally like on the street. Um, but I really like what you said. You said that here, everything is small and expensive. And then there, everything is big and much more affordable. I never thought of it like this, but it's so true. Like it's so true. Like the 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 rent the, the 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 real estate right either you rent and you buy and everything is so much more expensive i mean yes there you know people are like oh but here's the mountain here's this and that um if you are a mountain person right but like there are so many other states in the united states that are much more affordable and also very beautiful yeah and like even the The because it's humid, so everything is very, very lush out there. It was it was very pretty in like a lot of areas, um, and they have like different forests out there. It's Fontenelle Forest, obviously. It's like more of a hill than Colorado mountains, but oh, and there was this restaurant out there. It was like you know your typical spaghetti kind of place. It was called Spaghetti Works, and it was ten dollars for unlimited soup, salad, and pasta. And they would give you pasta, and then they would keep giving you like different rounds, and you could have like you could try different amazing and it was like that was ten dollars like yeah and that was not that was like average but you know um like just about like the 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 nature right so oklahoma right because you know my husband is from oklahoma so it's also very human there which i also loved i mean my hair doesn't yeah. but i don't care too much about that when when i'm there um and it's also like Because it's so humid, it's very lush. Like everything just blooms and like so green, so green. And yeah, and like Oklahoma also, the, the, there is no mountains, but there are this. I don't know, like how you call. I mean, it's not hills. It's probably called something else. Like, but 
it always reminds me of some parts of Ukraine when I'm when I'm in Oklahoma. But that part when you said where everything is big and lush and and much more affordable. For sure. Yeah. So Okay, so th so this is the part that we end on Oklahoma, right? Well, honey, thank you for sharing about your Nebraska experience. I wonder, like, where else would you like to live? Do you think Colorado is it for you? Or do you think you would like, you and Spencer would like to travel and live somewhere else? Oh, I love the beach. I would love to live somewhere tropical. Yeah. But... I like really lo like locally in the United States. Or would yeah, you go? anywhere. I just uh, I like the ocean. I'm not a huge skier. I don't like the cold, but our people are here and like families here, and I yeah. think you can always travel, which is nice. So for now, I and I love Colorado. You know, the green, the summer. I love here, but personally, wink, wink, Spencer. Can we go like? I don't know, like, but then I California? think about the, oh, but but Calif the California water is cold. And then like, I think about like Texas and Texas is like evil to women. And then I'm like, oh, but then there's Florida, but like Florida also sucks. So I'm like, no, 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 nobody, nobody should support Florida right now. So that's why I'm like, oh, I would love to live there. But like, I would much rather just stay here and then travel to like Mexico or something. Yeah. Because that's where like, like the good beaches are and like the snorkeling and like, you know, because um, Americans have ruined all their beaches like Florida's like I think they have like the whole seaweed thing coming and like it's just polluted and gross so no shame to anybody out there in Florida yeah shame to a lot of people who who are supporting exactly I have one of like my dear friends she lives out there Daisy you know hers and she lives in Miami and she loves it so that that's fun but um yeah and I would love to visit her but it's just they're yeah they're they got some crazy stuff going on but um so tropical yeah tropical. okay okay well my last question for you is about when was the defining moment and it doesn't have to be like oh when this happened you know but like you know how sometimes things kind of um come together come together thank you that you like oh so yes. you you talk about you know growing up in Aspen area being in the bubble traveling traveling you know to um to African continent traveling here so I wonder when was the defining moment for you to where you decide that Aspen life valley life was not really for you it all started when i met my cat no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i love cats by the way okay but when i think my parents because growing up my mom's a really hard worker and my dad's also a hard worker and i didn't grow up with my parents working nine to five jobs there's nothing wrong with that i'm not saying that but i think that has played a huge impact on my life um my mom has traveled all over and my dad you know he's lived in hawaii my mom's lived in europe and all that so they've shared those stories with me mm -hmm. um my mom's an artist so i was able to still grow up in a beautiful area but still be humbled because I watch them you know struggle in artist life you make money and then you don't and like being able to like witness my parents doing that um and then I feel like that's very different than a lot of the people in the valley and I just 
when I went to high school and middle school and growing up there, it was amazing and it, it fed me and I had amazing friends and all that. But then after college, when I came back, it just, I felt like it didn't provide me with anything because I was just, you know, so hungry for knowledge and experience and all that. And I already experienced Valley. I already saw everything it had to offer. And quite frankly, I just didn't, those type of people didn't align with me anymore. Not anymore. It was just that, like, I didn't, you know, it gave me everything I already had, like, I needed mm-hmm. to grow up. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's so, I love visiting and I still have friends that live out there and they love it. Um, it's just, I I don't feel like I'm growing when I'm out there. And I know there's people that can grow out there. That I'm not saying you can't. Um, but I think because of my parents and they're like constant, you know, they're entrepreneurs. And so it's funny because I graduated college. I think I've already had like 10 jobs since I graduated. And that's so like, don't have more than two jobs. It looks bad on your resume. But I'm like, for me, I want to try everything. Like we have this podcast. I've, you know, working out as a brand ambassador, I've sell things online and I've you know, working, like volunteering for a cat shelter. I have this, like, I want to like experience everything. And I think a lot of that has to do with like, even though it was, you know, a white savior trip to Gambia and like, I feel bad because, you know, it was a trip more for me than for the people out there because I clearly wasn't able to do anything in a week. Mm -hmm. Um, But that created that like hunger of like, I want to try everything. I want to see everything. And like, Try it all. And you don't have to be afraid. You know, you hear these countries and you're like, don't go there. It's bad. People are, you know, it's dangerous area and all that. And like some places are bad to go to, but a lot of times it's just people. Like it's just people. It's not, they're not going to hurt you. Like just people living their life. Just people living their life. And like after that, it's like, there's so many cool things out there to do. And that concludes are today's episode Bella, that we're going to call Isabella's Defining Moments. Do you love it? I love it. Thank you for sharing all of your defining moments, all of your travels, all of your, well, some of your struggles, some of your experiences. I know it's not all of your story, but you know what I thought? Just by listening to you, I was like, I've known this child You are still a child to me. I've known this woman for 20 years. And today I still learn stuff from you that I didn't know before. So I'm really grateful that I'm sitting here with you, that you're sharing the stories with me. And I'm grateful that we are doing this together. I texted your mom the other day and I said, can I just tell you how much I love your daughter? I said, I just become so close with her, even closer than I was before. And I said, I never thought I would start a podcast with her, but now I can't imagine doing it with anybody else. Aw, shucks. And on this note, thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We are excited for this journey, and we talk to you all next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.